0: Education does not stop at high school. College or graduate school is a lifelong process. This message is the fifth in the series, Wise Up. The message is entitled, Be Teachable. Here is Pastor Steve Rivera.
1: Today we continue our series called Wise up wise up we've been in a series called wise up and if you've missed any of the teachings by the way uh, make sure you get those online www.church-redeemer.org great great series just to become wiser how many all want to be wiser as you live your life all of us right Uh, just by a show of hands very quickly how many of you are in still in school in school just raise your hand real quick so i can see just all right all right how many are out of school out of school all right, that was a trick question, because all of us are still in school, and that school is called the school of life, the school of life with Jesus. And you know, the minute it, you become, uh, you come into a relationship with God, you step into this school, because as you know, the wisdom of God is so big, right? And our wisdom is, believe it or not, somewhat limited. As high as our IQ might be, uh, our wisdom is truly limited when it comes to the wisdom that God has to offer into our life, right? As you study God's Word, I don't know if you've ever been reading God's Word and you go, wow, just God highlights something in His Word as He's teaching you His ways of living. And it's just a lifelong process, right? A lifelong process. You know one of the the keys to being uh, able to learn? Because it's all about learning, learning the difference between our ways and God's ways. And one of the keys to effective learning is an is important word that we're going to study tonight, and that word, and it might bring us up some good or bad memories, that word is discipline. Discipline. What comes to your mind when you hear the word discipline? Do you want to hear a story about discipline in my life? I'm sure you do. <laughs> uh, you 're not going to hear one, but trust me, there are plenty of stories of discipline. Let me tell you something. Discipline is a very important key to continuing to learn. So what does discipline look like in our relationship with God? What does that discipline look like and tonight we 're going to study that and before I get to our our, our our primary passage tonight, which is found in Proverbs chapter three, you can find that in your notes. I want us to really truly understand that God's desire for our life is that we would continue to grow, to be adaptable, to be shaped in our character and in our mind and in our thinking, to be able to think the way that God thinks, to be able to be molded to the way God wants us to live our life, right? His ultimate desire is that we continue to grow, we continue to learn, we can we continue to shape and how we think, and how we act, and how we behave, and how we process just life. And Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, listen to what it says as I read. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke. Because, why? Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. This whole passage is about God's discipline in our life. And so we're going to study tonight, why is discipline so important for us? How do you receive discipline from God in your life? How do you recognize when God is disciplining you? And how do you respond to that? So number one, if you're taking notes, uh, number one is that we need to understand the reason behind God's discipline. We need to understand the reason why does God discipline And I'm going to start by just the the very first two words. I think the first two words of of this passage are so powerful. How does he start? What are the first two words? My son. What does he start with? He starts with relationship, right? Relationship. God doesn't start with anything else. He starts with the thing that's most familiar to us. He starts with relationship. He says, my son. Son, what what an endearing term, right? My son. Think, think about God speaking to you saying, My son, my daughter, come here. Let me talk to you. He starts with relationship. Relationship starts, where does it start? It's, it starts with faith in Jesus right? And the moment that we come into relationship with Jesus, we come into the family of God, and so we, we take on all these priorities that God has for our life. And he starts the whole passage by saying, my son. And, and I think it's very important that we all understand that God's desire and he, as he, his, his uh, view of us is not as a servant. It's not as anything else. First and foremost priority is my son, my son, right? This says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. At the core of discipline, it is, is a desire to draw out the best in someone, right? What is discipline all about? Think about when you have been disciplined or when you discipline or when God disciplines us. What, what is at the core of it? At the core of it, he says, I, I, I discipline those who I what? Love. I love. At the core of the discipline of God, don't forget about this. This is so important. Why would God, uh, to correct our behavior, to correct our thinking, to correct patterns of our life, patterns of thinking, at the core of why he does that, there's one thing that drives all of it. What is it? It's the love of God. You see, sometimes as humans, we don't get this right. We We may mess this one up when it comes to just relationships. But God doesn't mess this up. God never fails in this. At the core of his desire for discipline in our life, at the core of it all, is his love for us. It's his relationship with us. He disciplines us. Why? Because he loves us. It's not because he's angry at us. He doesn't discipline us because he's uh, frustrated that we continue to go down the wrong path. He doesn't discipline us because he's fed up with our behavior. That's not why God disciplines. The reason the core, at the core of God's discipline in our life is one thing. It's his love for us. And when we begin to view his correction in our life through the lens of love, it's so much easier to respond in the right way, right? At the core, we've got to get this, that at the core of God's discipline for you and for my life, it's his love for us. It's his looks down at us as his sons and his daughters in relationship with us. And he loves us so much that he says, I love you so much and too much to allow you to continue to head down the path that you're headed. My love is too big for you to continue to allow you to make those decisions. And so I'm going to bring some discipline in your life, not because I'm frustrated. Not because I'm angry, not because I'm about to give up on you, because we know that he doesn't. He does it for one primary reason, it's because he loves us. And as he looks down, think about as a coach or, a, or even a parent or a, a teacher that you've had at one point, they, they, they bring discipline. Why? They bring discipline because they believe that there's better in us than what that we're currently seeing, right? And, and here's the thing about God, that as God looks at us, he sees, always sees where we can be not currently where we are, right? He sees more in us just as a great teacher would or a great parent or a great coach. What do they do? They see where we could be. He sees the potential and he begins to bring correction, begins to shape and mold. And at the core of why he does all of it is why, is because he loves us. Now listen to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 through seven, it says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. What does he say? He says, don't take it lightly and don't give up when he corrects you for the Lord disciplines. There it is again, those that he loves and he punishes each one. He accepts as his child, As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you, how? As his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? We've never heard of that, right? Well, maybe we have. And and, and when we look at a child who's never disciplined by his father, what do we say? We don't say, oh, that parent must really love his son. That's why he doesn't discipline. No, we don't think that, right? It says, whoever heard of a son who is never disciplined by their father. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. Some of us, it was more than a few years. Anybody say amen to that? Come on, you're in church. It's all right. Doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. I love that last little phrase. Can I just read that again? Listen, it says, but God's discipline is always good for us. Really, it doesn't feel good sometimes, right? But it says God's discipline in your life and in my life—it's always, always, always—it's always good for you, so that we might share in His holiness. You know, this word discipline uh, is uh, really just means a restraint. Think about someone restraining you or holding you back. See, this is what the Lord's discipline is in us. Why? Because He sees danger ahead, right? You know, because God can see ahead of where we can see. And sometimes we're uh, in patterns of living or patterns of thinking or patterns of behaviors that we can't see as far ahead as God can. Right? Agree? Right? We can't. And so God, but God does. And so what does God do? He says, I see further down the road than you can see. And so I'm going to put some discipline in your life because I I, I care too much about you to head down this path of destruction. And so I know that my discipline, although it might not feel good, it's always for good, right? It might not seem like it's good, but it's always for your good. I'm restraining you because I know that if you continue in this pattern, that it's only destruction ahead. You've got to get this is that The Lord's discipline is rooted in his love for you. Yes? Yes, are you with me? The discipline of God in our life is always for our good. And maybe, I don't know what discipline might have looked like in your life, but I hope that God, and by his spirit, can begin to mold and just... uh, even reprogram some of our emotions, right? When it comes to discipline, because you know, I think sometimes we we because we might have experienced discipline the wrong way, we we maybe uh, attach that to how God disciplines us. But I just want to remind us tonight that the primary reason, at the core of God's discipline for our life, there's one reason, and it's His love, and it's saying, "I know better for you than you know for yourself." I can see further down the path than you can. And because of that, I'm going to implement some discipline in your life. How will you respond? And number two, as we head at number one, number one, we understand that at the core of the discipline that God has for us is what? It's his love. Number two, we need to be able to recognize when God is correcting and disciplining you. Are you able to recognize when God is correcting and disciplining you? Can you recognize it? When God brings situations, things into your life, are you able to recognize the discipline of God? Maybe for some of us, we can. Some of us, we can't. Maybe some of us, sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. And we all, don't always get it right. But, but we need to be able to recognize it, right? What does it look like when God is, rec- when God is discipline, bringing discipline in my life? So we're going to talk about four, four quick things under this point. Number one is his teaching. His teaching, he uses his word to correct us, right? If you've ever been reading his word, right, as you're reading and going through the Bible and just by yourself, and you're reading and you're reading, and, and God just begins to um, uh, this is very important, where he can, he convicts you, right? As you're reading, you go, oh, that, that just confronts and it convicts a part of your life, right? It's like uh, I call it like a little ping. Right? It's like, you know, you know when you, your cell phone goes off, uh, you know, just, uh, just you, you automatically respond to or it's a buzz or a ping that you hear, a sound that you hear on your phone. And what do you do? You, you look at your phone, right? You, you take it out, and you, what's, what's happening, right? Uh, the, you know, it's similar to the ping in your heart. You know, God's not going to, might not come with a big booming voice, but as you read his word, he's going to send little pings into your heart. The voice of God, that's the Spirit of God pinging your heart and he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm confronting you It's a gentle nudge, if you will, right? Uh, I'm going to ping your heart and see how you respond. Will you respond to those pings that God is sending through his word? Will you respond? It's his teaching, right? As you're reading his word, ping, because, you know, God's word really is, the Bible says, it's, it's like a mirror, right? It's all it is. It's, it's here's how you ought to live and here's how you're living, And as you reflect your life on the Word of God, there's going to be times, obviously, because we're human, that that our life will not line up with the Word of God. This is why it's so important that we constantly have the Word of God in our life, right? And we can't go seven days or 14 days or 21 days without reading God's Word. We have to consistently have the Word of God in our life because as we do that, God continues to ping or to confront or to convict our life so that we can realign our life with his word, right? So, so how, how well do you respond to the pings that God sends? And listen to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. What is it useful for? For teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training us in righteousness. So what is God's word useful for? Those four things, listen. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in what? Righteousness. It's in the right kind of living. That's what the word of God is useful for, to train us, to teach us, uh, to correct us in right living. So that the servant of God, why? What's What's the product of that? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What a good good promise, right? That what's the result of God correcting us through his word? So that you might be equipped. So his discipline is meant to equip us for every good work. So he uses his teaching. Number two, he uses training, right? He gives uh, opportunities. God often allows and ordains circumstances and situations that are designed to train us in certain ways. And oftentimes, obviously, he puts people in our life that will also be a voice in our life for these corrections. Right. And so God trains us through situations, through uh, circumstances that he puts us in. He's training us through his discipline. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says no discipline seems pleasant at the time. But painful. Y'all know what I'm talking about, there, right? It doesn't seem pleasant at the time, right? It's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I wrote a little phrase down underneath this verse because I, I just because it says later on, however, it produces. You can't get the product of discipline without the process of discipline, right? You can't get the product, you can't get the end result of discipline without having the process of discipline, right? You can't have, can't, your body can't be in incredible shape, right, coaches, right, trainers, uh, if you're trying to get, you can't have, I wish I had an incredible body, yeah, Chris, I was great in great shape. Well, it's gonna take something, the process of discipline, right? I wanna be so healthy, I wanna be financially healthy. I wanna be relationally healthy. You want the product of discipline? Then you have to go through the process of discipline. You cannot have the product of discipline unless you have the process of discipline. So you use this training, God ordained circumstances in our life to shape us, to mold us. And number three, eventually, obviously, testing. Right? Testing is where you have an opportunity to reveal what you have and what you haven't learned. This is what testing does, right? That's what tests do in school, right? What did tests do? They reveal what you do or do not know, right? In um, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for how many years? Forty years. Why? To humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. Why did he lead them through the wilderness for 40 years? To test them and to what reveal what was in their heart if they would commit to the commands that God had put in their life, right? So testing reveals what you have or what you have not learned. The goal is that ultimately we will be self-disciplined rather than imposed discipline, right? Right? At some point, hopefully through the the pings and through the training, that at some point we begin to use the discipline that God is building into our life so that we're not constantly dependent on God's discipline, but there's decisions that we begin to make and, and lifestyles that we begin to choose because we're learning God's ways, and it goes from imposed discipline, that God's constantly, constantly like a child, right? A child, hopefully at some point they begin to grow up, they begin to make better decisions, and there's less imposed discipline and and more self-discipline, right? Because God's job is to train us how to think, not to make our decisions for us, right? And so it changes from imposed discipline to self-discipline. Number four, number four is consequences, consequences, Y'all remember the story of uh, David and Bathsheba, right? Uh, second Sam, that was in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Well, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, we see kind of the follow-up to all of David's decisions. And In the very last verse uh, of, of chapter 11, uh, Jesus, uh, God says a very important phrase there. He says, and, and God was very displeased with David's behavior, right? And in chapter 12, we pick up here, and it says, in starting in verse 9, it says that he sent a prophet and he said these words to him, to, to David. And it says, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and you took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, right, because of that, listen, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and you took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I love his response, though, right? He's being confronted by by the prophet, but he says, I have sinned, his response. Listen, I just love the heart that David had in that moment. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. It's the grace of God, right? That when we sin, God takes away our sin. You're not going to die. You're not going to have the ultimate penalty. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. What do we see here? We see that David experienced some consequences for his behavior, right? And we know as a a good father would always impose consequences for certain behaviors. You see, all the decisions that we make have have consequences attached to them, right? Good decisions have good consequences attached to them. Bad decisions have bad consequences attached to them. Uh, We might not see the result of our decisions today. We might not see the results of our decisions next month. But at some point, what does the Bible say? It says you will reap what you sow, right? Every decision that you make today has attached to it a consequence. Now, as we see, thanks to the grace of God that we don't get the ultimate penalty for our sin. Come on, how many said amen to that, right? What is the ultimate penalty for our sin? Death. But by the grace of God, and I want you to know something. This is not a condemning, this is not a condemning message. This is not a condemning point. The point is, yes, there are consequences, but, but we have to be reminded of the grace of God, right? It is by the grace of God that the ultimate penalty for our sin, your sin, my sin, our past sin, our present sin, our future sin, all of that, God has taken the ultimate consequence of death away by his grace, right? By his grace, we enter into relationship with him. Grace doesn't necessarily, it doesn't at all actually give us the right to sin. Grace just allows us to approach God, right? Grace isn't a ticket, a free ticket to go live however you want. That's not what grace is. Grace just allows you to approach God with your sin. Come on, right? And, and whenever you're feeling um, condemned, you're feeling guilt in your life, I want you to be reminded of the love and the grace that God has in your life, right? That, that, that grace is what allows you and I. It makes the way for you and I in our sin. He doesn't say, go clean up all of your life. Don't get your life all, go get your life all right, and then come. No, grace is what gives you the ticket actually to approach God in your state of sin, right? It is through Jesus that we have been re- received and redeemed into the life and family of God. And so whatever your past lifestyle might be, whatever your current lifestyle might be, it is grace that allows you and I to approach a God who is holy. Yes? And so I pray that today you would, you know, that today you would, you would just be, by, by his spirit, be reminded of that in your heart. That, that grace is what allows you. It makes the way for you and I to approach God where he is in his holiness, despite of where we are in our sinfulness. Yes, it is the grace of God. If you're here today, you needed to hear that. That is a message from God into your life saying, hey, let, let, let the grace of God turn you around. I love the story of the prodigal son. You know what I'm talking about? When he the Bible says that he was far away from the father, you remember? I always remember this little phrase. He said that he came to his senses. I love that word, man, I I believe that there was, there was, there was the grace of God that was drawing him back. He said, what came to his senses and realized where he was. What am I doing? Like he woke up, right? Has aha moment. He said, what am I doing? It is the grace of God. That's going to allow me to come back to my father. And just as God is with us, God is always standing, waiting to receive us by his grace. Now, are there consequences to our decisions? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I want us to be reminded of the ultimate consequences that is the grace of God that allows us to approach a God who is so good in spite of our sin. Number three, how will you respond, right? And God, God corrects. He, 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 he disciplines. Uh, he, you begin to identify how he's doing that. Number three, respond the right way when God corrects and disciplines you. Respond the right way. Way. How will you respond? I'm sure none of us have children like this, but you probably have seen one in the store somewhere when the father or the mother tries to discipline them. And what do they do? We can come up with all kinds of stories, right? I'm sure they're not our kids, right? They're definitely not mine. Maybe, right? Hey, this is the picture that God paints in in, in Scripture. How will you respond? when God begins to ping your heart or begins to train you or begins to test you or begins to even bring consequences into your life how will you respond in that moment will you throw a tantrum will you push away will will you what will you do in this moment because how you respond to God's discipline will determine the direction of your life right how you respond in those moments so how does uh, let's talk about some 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 bad ways to respond uh, we can we could ignore it right? We could, we could ignore God's discipline in our life. So God actually convicts us or he, he shows us something about our life and uh, about our relationships, how we're doing something or how we're thinking, uh, a thought pattern, how we're, how we're living. He shows us something and we could just ignore, ignore that. But that's not the right way to respond, right? We don't, we don't want to ignore God's correction in our life. You know what happens? I, I've noticed that it, as you begin to ignore God's correction in your life, it's only a matter of time be- before you stop actually hearing the correction of God in your life. Not because God's not giving it, but because our e- our ears, our spirits have become so calloused to the voice of God that God's here trying to correct us, and our hearts, our spirits are so tough, right? They're, they're so calloused that God's here trying to correct us and bring a conviction, but we've ignored him for so long that we can't even hear that voice of correction into our life. Let me tell you something: don't ignore the voice, the correction, the discipline of God. It's only doing; He's only doing it because He loves you and He's trying to bring you back onto the path that only brings life. You can ignore it, right? What are some other ways uh, we can despise it? The Bible said here in this verse, right? Do not despise the Lord's discipline. You can resent it. Do not resent his rebuke, right? You could run from it. That's another bad way of responding, right? God's correcting me, so I'm going to turn and run. Again, we haven't seen that child in the store, right? But, but spiritually speaking, how many times, really honestly, if we're honest, we've probably all done it, right? That we, we turn because we don't desire it. We don't want God's way. We want our way. And so I'm going to turn and I'm just going to begin to run the opposite direction from God's correction in my life. Do not run from God's correction. And, and the last way is that you can reject it. You can just say, I hear it. I'm not going to run, but I, I reject that correction. I don't even want it. You know what happens over time? You become an undisciplined follower of Jesus. At the, at the, the root word, you know, of discipline is disciple. It's the same, they use the same root word, which is learner, right? Learner. If you're, if you're going to grow in wisdom in your life and your understanding of God and your walk with God, you're going to have to be a learner, a disciple. You know, if you're, if you're in relationship with God and you're here tonight, you, you automatically, you're in the family of God. You're, God is trying to disciple you through these things that we've talked about and through other people. And how good of a learner will you be? The last thing that we want to do is to to reject the discipline of God. How are you responding? So let's talk about some right ways to respond. What are some some good ways that we can respond to God's discipline? Well, number one, uh, we can respect it, right? can respect the discipline. Uh, You want to hear the voice of God? You want to give weight to? It says, do not take it lightly. When God brings discipline and correction into your life, will you take it lightly? Oh, that's not a big deal. Oh, that's just, this is, is a common one, oh, that's just bad luck. No, that's the discipline of God trying to get your attention, right? Now, not everything right, that happens in life is God's discipline, right? But, but as you see, begin to see patterns in your life, you have to respect the, the voice and the discipline of God. Number two, it's to receive it. You respect it, and you receive it. It's to embrace it. It's to take advantage of it, right? You you respect the discipline. You receive it into your life. And then, ultimately, this is the hard one, is to rejoice in it, right? It's to rejoice in it. To be happy? Yes. Count it joy when you receive God's discipline in your life. It, it, when you receive discipline in your life, we should see it as a symbol of God's love for us in our life. Yes? You you respect it, you receive it, and you begin to rejoice. I, I know that this is painful right now. The Bible says that all discipline is painful in the moment, but in the end, it produces a life of righteousness, right? And so because I've got my eye not on what is happening, but on what is coming through this circumstance, that I can rejoice in the discipline that God is pouring into my life right now. Uh, Maybe you're in situations in your life where God is trying to get your attention through his discipline. And the question tonight will be, is how will you respond? You gotta remember the most important thing that we talked about in this is that God's discipline comes from the most pure place of his love for you. Perhaps you're in patterns of living Patterns of thinking, patterns of operation and behavior in your life, relationships, finances, whatever that might be. And God is trying. He's speaking. He's speaking through his word to you. He's speaking through training, circumstances or people, uh, people in positions of authority in your life. He's trying to speak to you through those circumstances or through testing, not, you know, when God tests you, you don't have to just. Bear, bear that moment. Just uh, endure that moment. It's an opportunity for growth. Maybe God's got disciplines or consequences coming into your life right now. Maybe He's trying to get your attention. How will you and I respond to that discipline? We ought to respect it, right? We ought to receive it, and let's rejoice in it. Why? Because we know that God sees ahead of us. Let me finish with Proverbs chapter thirteen, verse eighteen. It says, "Whoever." disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame. I don't want to disregard discipline, right? But whoever heeds correction, what is the result? They are honored. They are honored. God wants to honor you through discipline if you respond the right way. If you're in that season of correction, hey, you should be like, man, God loves me so much. He's correcting me right now, right? Uh, Man, I've got some consequences for some decisions that I made because we've all made bad decisions that have bad consequences. And if you're in that, you should be like, man, this is such great evidence of God's love in my life. Let's respond in the right way. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for your word, God. God, we thank you that, God, you love us so much, God. God, we thank you that one of your Uh, one of the facets of your love is your discipline in our life. And God, I just pray that even tonight, Lord God, that we would embrace, that we would, at the core of who we are, really understand why you discipline us. It's because you're so in love with us, God, that you love us so much that you wouldn't allow us to continue down a path, God, that is a path of destruction, God. And God, perhaps um, we're here in You're trying to speak to us. You're trying to discipline us. And God, we can't recognize that discipline. I pray that you would give us eyes to see, God, ears to hear the discipline that you have in our life right now. Let us us recognize that. And once we've recognized it, let us respond the right way to your love in our life. We thank you, God, that you love us too much to let us walk down a path that would lead to death. God, we're God, we're we're falling more in love with you tonight as you've revealed that in our life tonight. Let Let us fall more and more in love with you. Thank you for grace, God, that we can approach you in the state that we are in because of your grace, and we thank you for it.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention His name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ.